great to have her, and she will be a frequent guest uh, this year. That's right. Every month you're going to hear a report regarding the great town of Islip and why not from its leader, that being Angie Carpenter, and kicks us off here on a, a Monday. It is uh, great uh, to have you here, my dear. Great to have oh. you. Did you, did you. Did you get into the Super Bowl? Did you relax yesterday? Did you get to watch it with the family? I absolutely loved the game. It was really very exciting. Huh? Really kind of fun. That was a fun game. It, it really was. was. Uh, you know what? I don't care if I got to bed at eleven thirty. I had a lot of. That was a fun day, without question. Very entertaining game. Um, give me, give me a sense. Let's get into some of the things happening in your neck of the woods. And I have had, you know, several people on regarding the governor's proposal uh, regarding this housing issue. It's uh, that's ruffled a lot of feathers there. Madam Supervisor, I'll tell you that much, especially in towns like yours, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three designations left and right, 30 units per acre, you know, an allowance of 20 per acre for, t- you know, it's crazy. You know, you try and understand this and you, you think about suburban life and everything else and you wonder if Governor Kathy Hochul has a clear understanding of that. I don't know anymore. Well, this certainly is a feather ruffler. Um uh, it just begs like the question, like what is she thinking? Is she totally lost touch with reality? Does she not realize that Long Island doesn't doesn't really subscribe to that kind of thinking? I mean, the election results might have shown her that you know Long Island wants something different from what she was selling, and this proposal is tolerated. And very, very insulting. I, I listened to the state of the state and, quite frankly, was rather um, hugely disappointed that a professional would characterize the decisions being made on a local level as being onerous to uh, developing affordable housing. And the very next day, the governor's office had convened a Zoom call with various town supervisors and village mayors from across the state with her housing chairperson, uh, housing secretary, whatever her title is. And she went on to describe the proposal and, and all of the wonderful benefits of this and, you know, then opened it up to, to questions and <clears throat> I think uh, Yvette Aguilar uh, was the first one to, you know, make some comments. And then I, you know, began by saying that, first of all, um, I was, uh, did not take kindly to the governor's characterization of our decisions on a local level as being onerous. They are anything but. And we follow uh, the code as proposed by New York State. We don't just dream things and pull things out of the air to make it difficult for someone to get a development done. We, we follow the rules. And I said, if you're thinking that perhaps the rules are a little bit too onerous, maybe you need to start with what the state is mandating us to do. And the second thing that needs to be addressed for affordable housing is the fact that it is, is expensive to stay here. The taxes are so high. 
But if you look at your tax bill, it certainly isn't the town portion, which is about 5%. That goes to the town general fund that does the parks and everything else that we do. But look at school taxes. So why don't you do something about that? And, you know, in her budget, she's increased state aid, but are the districts going to cut taxes or are they just going to spend more money? Yeah. You raise good points, Angie. You really do. Uh, and especially, you know, when you look at the aquifers and the infrastructure, the roads and everything else, you know, this is a state government that really needs to look how to best work with localities. And it's all about, you know, there should be a common denominator here. And you don't see it. That's the troubling part of it. You know, the denominator well, is of trying to make the region economically sound, which is very tough to do when you propose a $227 billion budget. And uh, you want to make it environmentally vibrant, too. I understand that. But, uh, you know, to me, she has not checked those boxes. I'll tell you that much. And then let's take a look at what has been done. I mean, the town of Islip has really led the way in affordable housing going back 35, almost 40 years ago, when the College Woods development was first proposed and built. College Woods was built in an area of central Islip, referred to as Carlton Park. It was a place that even the police wouldn't go, and I am not exaggerating. They used to have to get an escort from someone that lived in that community if they had to go into Carlton Park. Well, the supervisor at the time, Frank Jones, was committed to changing that entirely. The neighborhood, it was totally, totally raised. And I forget how many homes were built, but there were hundreds. And they were all affordable. And uh, if you go by today through that development, it is lovely. It has been kept up, and he did it right. And it was even uh, recognized uh, on the floor of Congress many years ago as being a model for affordable housing. Now, we've got the community development agents. We have built hundreds of units. We have put people in homes that otherwise would not have been able to afford it through the Iceland Town Community Development Agency. Then on the town side totally, I mean, look at the redevelopment that has happened. And we have tried to do it appropriately. We have done transit-oriented development. We do have 400 units going up across the street from the Bayshore train station, you know, complementing the condos and apartments that are presently there on the north side of the Bayshore train station. So we have done affordable housing. In central Islip, there are many, many apartments that have been built on the 87 acres of Carlton Park, uh, um, I mean, um, on Carlton Avenue, what was the campus of New York State Institute of Technology, another 300-plus units are going up in on 87 acres. And the, the property, uh, every single building that was there when it was the Central Islip State Hospital, these gorgeous, um, you know, WPA brick buildings, they're all being saved. They're all being totally renovated, gutted and renovated. So you're not having all of that debris of, you know, 13 buildings being demolished and carted off the landfill, that's not happening. This was done in a very, very smart, green way. 
So leave us alone. We know what we're doing. Let us do our job. And then if we don't, you know, have a discussion, don't beat people over the head saying it's my way or no way. I mean, come down here. Come and see. I mean, she was down here for a bazillion ribbon cuttings, but I don't think she particularly paid attention to Long Island. Not, not really. You can't and have made these kinds of decisions. We are totally unique. We're not New York City. We're not Queens. And the people that live here don't want it to be, or they wouldn't have moved out here. And 100%. You know, and you just get a feel. I hate to say it, but you get a feeling. Uh, Ange, that, uh, you know, listen, she lost Suffolk County as far as November the 8th. We know that. Uh, And who knows? Who knows what she has uh, against uh, the island? But you're right. As a lieutenant governor, she was here all the time. She would be on my show every other week, you know, like ribbon cutting here, the opening of an arboretum there, you know. But when it comes to this stuff, you wonder what the heck is going on with her thinking here. Can't figure it out. Really. It's it's interesting to think about, you mentioned the arboretum. There is that absolutely gorgeous Bayard Cutting Arboretum in the town of Islip. It's a state facility, and she has proposed, you know, multi-hundreds of millions of dollars to renovate and build a visitor center. Now, really? Did we really need that? Did anybody ask the local community that they wanted a huge visitor center built at the Arboretum? I mean, that is a very, very popular attraction People love the old-time charm and peace and quiet of it. I don't think they're looking for a huge visitor center there. And maybe that money could have been better spent towards affordable housing, towards giving the towns incentives so that they could have done even more than they're already doing. You know, um, when you talk about planning and looking at things in the right way, There's a project being discussed, and I know you've talked about it, in Ronkonkoma, adjacent to the airport, and on a lot of it on airport property that's being proposed called Midway Crossing. Now, there are a lot of exciting components of that project. There are a lot of things that are a little troublesome about it. But the main thing that's troublesome is that people are concerned about the infrastructure surrounding the airport. Even without any development being done there, if you go down Ocean Avenue any time of the day, the railroad crossing is there. There's traffic jams all the time, no matter what time of the day it is. Let's look at fixing that infrastructure first. Now you're right, 100%. And that's, you know, people people will always feel that way. There's no question. Um, they're a little nervous when it comes to their way of life. You know, I don't blame them, to be honest with you. Um, no, I don't either. I yeah, so you know there is there is reason for you know that type of way of thinking. There's no question. Uh, Angie Carpenter with us, the Islip Report. Now you bring up Midway uh, and the new chair in play, Mitch Pally. We know him well, of course, former CEO of the the Long Island Builders Institute board member, MTA. Mitch on this program all of the time. Give me a sense of that as far as him leading the way to guide this development. It's, you know, this nearly, what, $3 billion project. Uh, but uh, all in all, <laughs> give me a sense here of Midway as far as everything in play here. Go ahead. Well, it is very, very exciting. And I think the thing that I find most appealing is the um, the life sciences building 
the thought of six-figure jobs, high-paying jobs, to keep our youth that we pay a fortune to educate, keep them here on Long Island after they do graduate. And um, the life sciences, we were at a uh, uh, Northwell's training center, if you will, and certainly that isn't indicative of what it all is because it's far more sophisticated and grander than that. But the kind of technology that those in the medical field have to learn is happening right there in that center. The very kind of technology that saved that football player's life on the field uh, months ago, the player from Buffalo, that kind of protocol and training is what's happening every day here on Long Island, but it needs to be expanded and it needs to be um, centralized and it needs to be in an area where doctors can come and really learn all of the technology, you know, in lectures and conferences. And they feel that this kind of center will enable them to do it. They're bursting at the seams there. They've already signed a letter of intent, so it's not pie in the sky. And then there's a uh, technology company, uh, ADA, I believe it is, uh, the gentleman has also signed a letter of intent to take space in life sciences building. Catholic Health Services, they too are extraordinarily interested, and it's all about medical training and, you know, the exciting part of medicine, what's keeping people alive today that 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago wasn't happening. And um, then the idea of moving the terminal to the north side of the airport adjacent to the railroad that is something that should have been done from the get-go. That is something that's been talked about for 50 years. And this is probably the last opportunity to see that happen. And, um, you know, there will be other ancillary uses, but these are things that the community will come together, the community will weigh in on. There have been a number of uh, community meetings already, but this is something that, the community will support, and without that support, you know, I don't think you'll see it going forward. I certainly am not pushing for it if the community isn't supportive of it. But these are the kinds of development that we have to have appropriate, sustainable development, things that the community can embrace, because without that, everyone is going to flee. They're not going to be able to afford to stay here. And when the governor needs to be addressing issues, let's find out why. Let's find out why people are leaving the state in droves. What is the number up to now? I mean, I, I think 80,000 or something, maybe more. It's more inch. And listen, I think the main reason is people are fed up. They are fed up with policies. And they want to be able to get their life back and live normally. That's what it comes down to. It's always about economics. Always about economics. People just can't afford it anymore. And that's why people are fleeing left and right here. And, and, a, and unlike years ago, you said it, it's policies too. Because people are feeling like there's just a little bit too much government. Just a little bit too much telling me what to do and a little bit too much of not feeling safe. The policies that took place with bail reform and everything, that scared the bejesus out of people. That someone could be 
arrested and back out on the street before the cop gets back to his sector car. He hasn't even finished filling out the paperwork and the guys are back out on the street for egregious crimes. So the cops are going to like say, why am I doing what I'm doing? That's what it comes down to. It's always about policy. When you have a state that is really taking the baton uh, from the national stage as far as what we're seeing here across this country, that's a problem. That's a major problem. I mean, there are other areas of the country that people will say, you know what, we're taking our families to another area because we just we, we can't we can't cope with this stuff. You know, and that's what it comes down to. So when it comes to policy, we see it we see it in the White House. We see it in the White House. You know? I and mean, that transfers <laughs> over into the state. It's very tough to live a good suburban life on Long Island. Not like it was. Not like it was and way there back. Isn't, and there isn't a person that you talk to who hasn't lost someone in their family to Florida, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. They're, you know, out to Arizona. They're leaving. They're leaving. Texas. They're leaving. And and people are, they're upset. And, and when one member of the family leaves, it doesn't take much time for the rest of them to follow because they want to be together as a family unit. That's what it's all about. All about our families. The family. So once I tell you, once the kids uh, finish school, you say to yourself, "What is here left for me to do? Why should we stay here?" You know, and that's a big question that I know a lot of families have asked themselves over the years. There really is. Edgy Carpenter with well, us. A couple of minutes now. Uh, the airport. I, I can um, I just say something. Can go I ahead. Just say something? I don't want to be Debbie Downer, and I don't want to encourage anybody to leave. Because let me tell you, we in the town of Islip, the town board and myself are working so hard to make sure that Islip stays affordable, that Islip stays the place you want to be. Our parks have never looked better. We're paving and, and, and you know, uh, filling potholes left and right on our roads. Our paving budget has tripled in the last seven years that I've been there because these are things that people want. So we are really just absolutely laser focused on making this town be what you want it to be for you and your family for the future. So I ask that you not abandon us, you know, give us a chance and please know I'm not looking to bash the governor. I want to work with the governor as uh, the other town supervisors are, you know, this is not a partisan issue, you know, on both sides of the aisle, the supervisors association met last week and unanimously agreed that we were sending a joint letter to the governor, Democrats and Republicans alike, to say, no, this isn't right. This has got to stop. So please, you know, know we're working for you. And that's a good point because, listen, Long Island still has an aura about it, right? Uh, Even people who have left who come back, you know, they say, listen, I mean, it's still my home, you know, and it's still my home. And it'll always be one's home, you know. The problem is, and you bring up an excellent point, it's about having a discussion. You know, all you want is to have a conversation with our leaders and figure this thing out. And you're not getting that. See, that's the problem. We see that on the national stage. We see it in Albany. It's a problem. It's a problem. And we have left that way of thinking for a long time. Where is the negotiation aspect of life? 
Where is the compromise? Where is it about a a common sense solution? We don't have that anymore. I mean, I'm doing this a long time. You know that. We do not have any common sense. Zero. You know, no common sense. Time, you know, maybe it's time to convene uh, a summit of elected leaders, you know, again, on both sides of the aisle. I mean, we do it in Suffolk, you know, with the Supervisors Association. As I said, we met last week. And, you know, do we agree on everything? No. But for the most part, we do. There's unanimity, unanimity on, you know, a host of issues that affect all of our residents. You know, we do work together. You know, uh, myself as a supervisor, working with the other elected officials on other levels of government, you know, whether it be our Congressman Garbarino or our state representatives, uh, our senators, our assemblymen, you know, the the uh, vice president of the Senate, the deputy speaker of the, of the New York State Assembly, you know, is Phil Ramos. He's a Democrat. I work with him all the time because we care about the people that we represent. And unless you work together, you're not going to maximize the resources that are and should be available for the residents, you know, that you've been elected to, to fight for. Listen, Carl Hasty and Andrew Stewart Cousins should take a lesson just out of that aspect. I'll tell you that much. And you don't get that. Angie Carpenter with us. A couple of minutes remaining. Iceland Report. You know, I can't uh, I can't say more about the airport. I mean, you know, every time I'm there, it is unbelievable. I love what you've been doing there, along with others. Uh, Breeze Airways, new destinations coming into play in the next few. Uh, everybody raves about MacArthur. Everybody. Uh, listen, you don't have to go to Kennedy. You don't have to go to LaGuardia. You go to MacArthur. I mean, it is such a great place. Seamless. It really is. Uh, you guys have done some job. You know, I'm one of the biggest fans of that airport over the years. Well, you know, and, and you talking about it is what we need. We need people promoting it. We need people using it. And, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg, which came first. But, you know, if we use the airport, there will be more flights. And that's the key. Everybody loves the airport. The customer experience is is unrivaled. And now we're redoing the terminal. Uh, it is going to be even more serene and comfortable and, and stress-free than it is today. And that's important. People are hassled enough when they make the decision to, to finally, you know, take a break and go on vacation or if they have to go away on business. They don't want to be stressed. And that's what our airport and our customer experience is all about. We have, you know, in my tenure there, you know, we've got a, a professional airport commissioner We've added airlines, we added Frontier, we've added Breeze Airlines, and we're constantly speaking to other airlines. And you watch Breeze. You know, the formal announcement is going to be made tomorrow, but there are two new destinations coming on for Breeze Airways, and there are going to be more. There are going to be more. The founder of Breeze, David Nealman, who is the founder of JetBlue, you know, he doesn't go into something and not have it be successful. So, you know, stay tuned. There's more coming. But go to Iceland first. And I can't wait. You know I, that. Yep, yep, yep. I know. It's going to be great. Here on all cylinders and everything else, I'll tell you, Vegas, I love these new destinations. I love the fact, you know, if anybody has never been to Virginia, take a flight to Norfolk. 
Uh, it, it is so historic and gorgeous down there. And it's just, well, uh, it's, it's like an hour and 20 minute flight, you know? I mean, it's just a, a, you know, a, a great getaway weekend here and there. I love that stuff. I really do. Uh, tremendous. The Norfolk flight puts you by Virginia Beach in, you know, easy driving distance to Williamsburg, Virginia. It is a great, great weekend trip, like you said. Uh, also, Charleston, South Carolina, that is so precious. So many people love going down there. There, there are so many great little weekend trips, but always come back home to Long Island where your heart is. And uh, my heart is in the town of Islip, I'll tell you that much. And we look forward to talking with you every month as far as the updates and everything else going on in your great town. How's that? I really look forward to it. And, of course, if there's any breaking news, I'll be on in between. <laughs> 